0: Hi, I'm Emily Roger, host of The Boiling Point podcast. My co-host, Dave Vale, and I will bring you thoughtful discussions with leaders who are positively impacting our world. This is The Boiling Point, where leadership and inspiration meet. Hi, Dave. Hello, Emily. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Awesome. Awesome. It's been a while. It has been a while. Yeah. And now it's like, it feels like summer. (laughs) It was yeah. like cool temps.
1: We're dressed a little differently.
0: We are, yeah. How have you been?
1: I've been great. But, you know, you've done some pretty cool stuff over the last little while. I'm wondering if you'd share with the audience what you've been up to.
0: Oh gosh, what have I been up to? That's a great question. I guess over the last few weeks since we last would have chatted, I was down to Belize on a saltwater fly fishing trip and was away on a snow goose hunt and then went back to Belize, which was not in the plan, but a little last minute uh, trip, which was phenomenal back to the same lodge. Um, I'm writing an article on fly fishing. And so I got to go back there with a photographer so we could capture some images. And uh, I had another super successful trip, saltwater fishing and uh, back home in New Brunswick now and actually getting ready next week. I'll kick off salmon season. So going away for a week to go fly fish for salmon. And uh, how do you
1: fit all this in? This is that's the big question.
0: I wonder the same thing sometimes it's pretty phenomenal as to how dialed I have my schedule to fit in all of my coaching clients and to um, be writing and working on keynote speeches and a couple of big ones that are coming up yet and run my on the rise program and fit in my own physical activity yet feel like, I mean, there's a couple of moments where I'll feel that kind of overwhelmed, but for the most part, it feels pretty good And the other day, I actually listened to, re-listened to our last podcast with Marianne Iveson. And it was kind of exactly what I needed to hear in the moment that I was in. Uh, so for listeners who have not listened to that, especially if you are a entrepreneur or wanting to reach out and, or step out and do something that you feel is possibly bigger than you, then listen to that podcast. It was, um, yeah, it was helpful for me again to, to rehear what we all had to say.
1: Was there one thing in particular that resonated?
0: It's okay to have those moments of, Oh gosh, what am I doing?
1: (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. <laughs> in fact, it's kind of it's kind of normal. I'd be actually interested to ask our guest when she comes in the same question, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And so with that, I say let's bring in Andrea. And so our next our guest today, Andrea Jansen, is um, we both have had the opportunity to meet her. She has become a friend of mine, and uh, she's also a certified executive coach, a graduate of Royal Roads University. She hosts a podcast, Ambition Theory Podcast, which I have had the honor of being a guest on. She is a Forbes contributor. She is a top-rated speaker. She is a mom, a wife, an adventurer, athletic lady. Andrea, come on
2: in. Welcome to The
0: Boiling Point.
2: Hi, thank you so much for having me, Emily and Dave. I am so excited to be here today.
1: What's interesting is um, there's a note here about Andrew as a top-rated speaker who brings positive energy into every room. I just felt it right there just <laughs> as you came in. I just thought, wow, okay, there's that energy that they're talking about right there.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm. It's so funny because I actually met Emily through the Boiling Point podcast.
1: Okay. I was going to ask about that. Tell me more because this is news to me.
2: So, this is new to you. So, Dave, a while back, a couple of years ago, when I was getting my women's leadership coaching program off the ground, I had reached out to you about potentially partnering. Uh, with Ambition Theory on getting it out there. And we had a Zoom call booked. And before I was like, oh, I should get to know this person. I should find out about them. And I saw you had a podcast. And so I listened to it. And Emily was the guest on the episode that I listened to. And I was like, wow, this person is really cool. This person's really awesome. I want to know who they are. I'm going to follow them on Instagram. And at the time I had just written, uh, created a journal and Emily had a following on social media. And I was talking to a friend in PR and she's like, you got to just give it to influencers and let them use it. And I was like, well, I'll reach out to Emily and see what happens. So we reached out, I reached out on Instagram, I think it was. And then we had a call and it was like, we were fast friends (laughs) after that. So thank you to the boiling point podcast for making that happen.
1: That's probably one of the neatest outputs, I think, is the connections that are made, whether when we get to meet someone as a guest and uh, or like just this example. I just think it's awesome because, you know, and especially when you put it out there, you're never sure. And you have a podcast, which a, a very cool name, by the way, and you just you're not sure how it's received. So it's just that's 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 awesome. And I had no idea that you guys had connected that way. So that's cool.
2: Yeah,
0: and with that, even the timing, Andrea, that you had reached out, and I remember it so clearly, we had a call the week before I was scheduled to fly to New Zealand to fly fish for a few weeks. And you had told me about your journal, which I have right here. I filled out a few so far called Ambitious Every Day, and you m- mailed it to me like here later, two, three day express. And, um, I took it on my trip to New Zealand with me and I journaled every single day about it. It actually makes me emotional because it was such a, like, again, you talk about the perfect timing of things and it like really helped me self reflect during that trip as to what do I really want? Not just out of that trip, but what do I want out of that trip that I'm then going to move forward with? And in the journal, you have a list about setting goals. And I've shared this with you before, but I wrote down my goals for what I wanted for five-year goals to be. And within like less than a year, all of the goals were checked off the list. And I'm like, Andrea, I need a new journal. Send me a new journal.
1: (laughs) Can you fill me in on the journal, Andrea? I'm not familiar with it.
2: Yeah, so the journal is really, it's like the foundation of ambition theory's methodology and everything that we do. So um, it's, it, it's called ambitious every day, but, and we're not, it's not actually, we're not actually selling it right now anymore. We've kind of taken that content and incorporated in, it into all of our coaching programs, but it's really this idea where ambition theory comes from is the definition is the desire to, to achieve something typically requiring determination and hard work. And when I was noticing what was happening, like, why are people burnt out? Why are people not engaged in work? Why are people not excited about what they're doing every day? And it's really that lack of clarity on the something that you're striving for. And what the questions that we ask people in the journal and in our coaching programs are like really at the core of what's important to you and aligning your goals with that. So whether that's what opportunities are available at your company, what opportunities are there in the world, people to align with, lodges to visit, those kind of things. When you kind of like align what's important to you with the opportunities out there and you write them down and that kind of gets it out of your head and into the world and it starts that action going. And that's kind of become the principle of everything that we do at Ambition Theory is really looking inside of people, like what are their strengths? what makes them excited and then helping them align that with that, with opportunities that are available and then making a plan to make it happen. And as Emily talked about, once you, the hardest part is articulating what you want, because most people, they articulate their goals based on external factors, right? Like, Oh, I went to school, you know, with this person, they're doing that. So I should be doing that. Or, you know what, the hierarchy in my company goes this way. So I should be, you know, climbing the ladder in that vertical way. And that's what my goal should be. And so we kind of take a different approach and start inside first um, and then look externally as well because you want that balance, you want that alignment. And then when you have that alignment, that's when Emily's like, all the goals I wanted to achieve within five years happened in one year because Emily was able to find that perfect alignment.
1: Wow. And you, and that that really played out for you, Emily.
2: Yeah, it did. <laughs>
1: Amazing. So five-year goals achieved in one goal, or one year, sorry.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Can you share an example?
0: Well, one of them was um, going to Royal Roads to do the graduate program. The other one was saying yes to the documentary being filmed, um, or one of them. And then fast forward a year later, and two were filmed. And at the time, I was very reluctant. Yeah, I'll have to look back and see what else was was on that list.
1: Those are some pretty big goals right there. Very cool.
0: Yeah. And so Andrea, for Dave and for our listeners, tell us a little bit more um, in general about you. I know you are in Colorado now, and uh, recently
2: relocated there. And so yeah, share, share whatever it is you want to share. Yeah. So thank you. I don't even know where to start. So I'm in Colorado now. I've been here for just over a year. Before this, I was living in Halifax, Nova Scotia. I'm born and raised in Toronto. So kind of like love adventure. And so the reason we moved is because my husband had this opportunity to get a transfer. And I started my business in Halifax and was like, It was ready to grow. And I really wanted to grow this thing. I really wanted to build something that was bigger than myself. And I was finding that, I wanted to be in a bigger city. We so eventually, so when Emily, when we first met, ambition theory was focused on women's leadership in general. But since then, we've niched down very to a tight niche of women in the construction industry. So we have this expertise on what does it take to get women promoted to the next level. And Nova Scotia, where I was, is a relatively small place in Canada. I was feeling like I needed to be in a, wanted to be in a bigger city. And this opportunity came up. We were originally going to move back to Toronto because that's where all our family is. Um, this opportunity came for my husband to get a job in Colorado. And I thought, you know what? I could grow my business in Toronto or I could grow my business in the US. And so kind of took the plunge and said, like, let's try living in Colorado near the mountains. I love mountain biking, I love hiking, I love snowboarding. So let's do it. And here we are today. So I have three children. So they switched schools last year, which was a bit of a rough transition, but I will say they are thriving now, living their best lives, like integrated into our neighborhood, into into our community, into their school. And like Ambition Theory, my business has really, it's opened up these doors that I never really even saw before, just kind of like being in a new environment, being exposed to different people, different ways of running a business. Um, It's been really, really great. Lots of learning, lots of opportunities. But yeah, so what my company does now is we are really focused on getting women in the construction industry. So really in the construction management side into more senior leadership positions. So that's what we do. And so why construction? like how how was that your niche? So it's a really good question because I have zero construction experience. And like so many women that work in this incredible industry, um, construction chose me. I did not choose construction. So it was really like a whimsical opportunity. So my husband does work in construction. He had, he went to college for it. He loves, industry. Um, And when I was kind of getting started focusing on women in leadership, his company was sending the women at his company to this conference called the groundbreaking women in construction conference. And so he sent me a link to the conference. Um, It was in San Francisco. And I was curious, right? I'm like, I have a women's leadership development company. What do these conferences talk about? Who are the speakers? Like, what are they learning about? So I'm just curious looking at the website and there was this spot in the afternoon that said speaker TBD. All the other speakers were already confirmed. And you know, that saying you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. So I cold called this conference and I asked if they needed a women's leadership speaker. They said yes. And at that point I'd never actually spoken at a conference before. So I went there and I wasn't the main stage speaker. I was in this little tiny breakout room. I prepared a talk um, and I went there really early so I could get ready. I had handouts. Like, you know, they said capacity of the room is 50. I had 50 handouts ready. Um, I get there. There was already 50 people in the room. And I'm like, okay, those people are probably from before they will leave my people will come I'll, you know, pass out the handouts. They didn't leave more people came sitting on the floor, like in the hallway, they were pulling up chairs. And at that moment, I'm like, I think I'm on to something here. And I ended up getting some clients after that engagement. And then I always heard like in marketing books for entrepreneurs, like niche down, find your niche, um, but really resisted it for quite a long time. So it was to the point where ambition theory was serving like 70% of the clients were from the construction industry, but we were still, you know, marketing ourselves as being for anybody, as being for everybody, um, any woman in leadership. And then it came to the point where I was really looking at the numbers and I thought, you know, what if we focused and went all in and, We did that and it's been incredible. We've been able to do quantitative research studies. So we know really what is going on in the industry. We've been able to hone our methodology. So we know like what do women need in order to advance like how does it work specifically in this industry because it's so male dominated it's so focused on technical skills so really like what are the specific things that we need to teach our clients so they are empowered to get themselves to that next level so it's been really cool um niching down but yeah i'm not never worked in the construction industry but our my expert our expertise has really become like how do you navigate those relationships how do you create those opportunities and what are the roadblocks that get in the way and how do we get around them?
1: So I have a theory, but I wanted, I, I'm i curious to see if it fits here. For you, what were the challenges with niching down? Like what was, the, what was the, the obstacles for you?
2: I think mentally there was the, oh, I have this banking client. Oh, I have this healthcare client. If I say no to them, like, am I going to get enough? I think mentally, like realizing that, like that fear of scarcity, right? Like if I let go of this client to make room for this newer, like more of this other segment to come in, is it going to work? I think some imposter syndrome definitely showed up. It doesn't so much anymore around this idea of like, because I never worked in the construction industry, who am I to be the leadership teacher for women in construction? And I realized like, so we teach transactional versus transformational leadership. So transactional leadership is like uh, that, you know, the top down, I'm telling you what to do. The leader knows everything versus transformational is the leader looks for the strengths on the team, sets the vision, and then invites people to contribute to that vision. And it really forced me to kind of like do two things. One is really lean into this concept that we teach is transformational leadership, So transformational leadership is about pulling the strengths out of the people. So the fact that I never built a project is actually okay, because then I'd be teaching a transactional leadership course, right? Like this is the steps to build the project. This is the steps to manage the budget. This is the steps to get the team back on track. It's relying on that transactional approach. So it really forced me to like drink our own Kool-Aid leverage the transformational approach to leadership in everything that we do. And then I think it actually made me a better coach because in coaching, you're both coaches, you know, you're not supposed to give your client advice and tell them what to do. And I think it's so easy for us To do that. And so the fact that I've never actually built a project, I cannot tell the client the next step to build the client. So it really forced me to hold them accountable. And that's where I think the magic really happens because women in our program, they like sometimes I get blown away when they call me to tell me what happens after they take our courses. I was like, really? Like one woman a couple cohorts ago in week three of a program, she comes to the Zoom coaching session is like, guess what? Got promoted to the senior leadership team this week. I'm like, what <laughs> did that really happen? And it's really about leveraging those coaching skills. I think that, so to answer your question, I think like that belief in myself that the business model is going to work, that niching down is actually going to work. And then that imposter syndrome of like, am I really the person to be teaching this? Cause I will say at the beginning I did get pushback from people on because really the the expectation in the construction industry, because most people in leadership positions are men. Most leadership teachers that in the construction industry are men who are retired, who have kind of come back, and that's kind of their their thing now. And so, like the model of like a younger woman doing this, there wasn't really an example of that people were like, oh, like, no, we, we usually get this person to do stuff like that. So I think at the beginning there was external kind of pushback as well, but we've been able to like develop this expertise over the past five years and really hone it down. So now we have this expertise and people kind of like can see the value of the expertise. So it doesn't really matter anymore that I was never a project manager in construction industry.
0: Andrea, one of the things that I admire and appreciate about you so much is your ability to, for one, see an opportunity and go to it. And so seeing that like to be determined speaker and you just cold calling, (laughs) like now that I know you, I'm like, oh yeah, that is an Andrea power move. Like that has Andrea Jansen written all over it. But the courage and the drive that it takes to do that and then your ability to always stay so curious. Like in conversations with you, like you are so intently listening to everything and anything and your ability to then take that non-direct coach approach and fully put it into your business by niching into an industry that you are not an expert in.
2: Thank you.
1: <laughs> your answer kind of fits where it's this, it is kind of a scarcity abundance thing, isn't it? Right. Where people, If I'm saying no to that, you know, what what am I missing out on versus recognizing if I say yes to that, what am I missing out on, meaning stuff that's outside of that niche. I also find it interesting how people find niches, right? When you started your business, did you anticipate being niched down to a construction sector and women leadership?
2: No, I didn't even um, think about niching down to women. I was at the beginning, like anything. Oh, you need some help with the conflict? Yes. Oh, team building, goal setting, strategic planning. Yes, I can do it all. Like I was kind of trying to do everything and then really kind of like realizing when people like, I think for me, like the niches came more externally. So like Emily talked about this, like this ability to see the opportunity. So how it even started with women was I read this article, it was 2017. So I had three kids. My youngest was like maybe three months old. And this Chatelaine magazine its like a women's Canadian magazine. It came to my house as like a sample. So I'm not a subscriber. And there was this article in it about women's ambition. And so they, they surveyed a thousand Canadian women and they asked them about their work and their level of ambition. And in the survey, it said two thirds of these women would not take their boss's job, even if it was offered to them. And that kind of sparked this in me because I was always taught that if I worked hard, I could be whatever I wanted. And anything was, any opportunity was available to me. And I never really thought that like being a woman would be a disadvantage. I'm like, that's not me. Um, But when that article came, I had literally like nothing going on professionally. I'm sitting there with my three children and I'm like, I am this statistic, literally like the woman who's lost sight of her ambition. and doesn't really see any prospects for their career moving forward. And I posted on LinkedIn about it. Someone saw it invited me up for coffee to just talk about it. And they're like, actually, Andrea, can you make me a workshop about this? I'm like, yes, I can. And that's how I got um, into the niche of focusing on women. And then it kind of furthered down to women in construction.
1: Hi, I'm Steve Yerko.
2: And I'm Tara Sands.
1: I love how you're listening to the market too. You know what I mean? Because to me, that's a really important component here is, you know, seeing what's out there and um, and recognizing the opportunities and, and seizing them, you know? So it's like a lot of times, I think people getting into business feel like it should be mapped out ahead of time. And the reality, at least my reality has been very similar to yours, which is you just don't know. And, and starting, broad is, is not a bad thing because it helps you start to narrow, right? But at some point you have to start kind of narrowing down. In theory, you sh- it helps. It seems to help. Very amazing. You you referenced some stats and I found it pretty shocking. Research last year found that 78% of women were told that to accelerate their leadership path, they need to be more confident. 78%, like that's like a common thing for, you know, hey, Emily, you you want to be more successful, you need to be more confident. Like that's shocking to hear that. Yeah.
2: So, So that research was women in construction. So that was specific to the construction industry. But Emily, you tell me, have you gotten that feedback before?
0: To be more confident? I hear it from a lot of clients, a lot of female executive clients that their superior, who's usually male, says that they need to have more confidence. And kind of getting into that a little bit further in you talking about the, the double bind and what that is because that thing around, okay, so you, you get more confidence as a female, but then there's a lot of pushback that comes with it as well.
2: Yeah. So the other stat that we talk about is these same women, we asked them, but um, we asked the question, like, what feedback do you get about your leadership skills? You need to be more confident. 78% have heard that, but 70% have heard you need to be less bossy. So like Emily talked about, you get that feedback. You're like, okay, I need to be more confident. You look around your company at the most confident leaders and specifically in construction, most of them are men, but in other industries, there's more men in senior leadership than there are in women today anyway. So you look around at the most successful leaders in your company, then you emulate their behaviors, right? They're assertive, they're confident, they're giving directions, they're giving their opinion. And so you're like, that's the model. I'm going to gonna follow that lead. So then you show up and you start acting like that. You start emulating those behaviors. You're confident. You're assertive. You're telling people what to do. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, you get a call into your boss's office because they're like, people are complaining because you're being too aggressive. You're being too bossy. And that's what researchers call this the double bind. So we did not invent this. We just researched it within the construction industry, but this has been going on for many years. Researchers have studied this and it's because in society Um, Women are supposed to be caring and nurturing, uh, but in our society, leaders are supposed to be assertive and confident, and it's really based on that male leadership model. So when a woman shows up as assertive and confident, it's like, ooh, she's rubbing me the wrong way. She's not acting how like I expect her to act. And one thing I will note, it's most of this is unconscious. Like people don't realize that they have this double standard and that this is happening. So it's happening unconsciously. And so as a woman aspiring leader or in a leadership position, you have to be aware of that tightrope and you can't veer too far to one side. Because if you act too nice, too nurturing, too friendly, too caring, it's like, oh, she doesn't have what it takes. But if you're too aggressive, it's like, oh, she's too bossy, so we're not going to give her that leadership position.
1: That is a tightrope, isn't it?
2: And I'm curious, Dave. Did you know that this existed? Well, I'm, I'm,
1: I've been familiar with it, but not to that extent, right? And um, having two daughters, and you know, wanting them to feel like every, you know, the same things that are uh, available to my son are available to my daughters is important to me. You know, so learning this is very and very helpful. And a lot of when I've learned it as a man, it's just, it's surprising because I haven't experienced the same things, you know? And then, so I'll talk, to, you know, Emily or someone like yourself, and they'll say, oh yeah, it's pretty common. I mean, and I'm not, I guess I wouldn't be said naive to it, but I, I'm a little bit surprised at this point in time, it's still a thing. I guess that's, that's what keeps on coming to, you know, to my mind. And I happen to work with, I think 70% of the people in vision are, are female. And I've always worked with women, so yeah, I just find it surprising. And I and I can see how it could happen, though. I mean, I can, it makes sense. It's unfortunate, but I'm just trying to imagine now. How do you walk this tightrope?
2: That's a really great question. And I think what we do with with our clients is it's really about finding that authenticity. So if you are authentic and you're showing up as your authentic self, then. It's easier to connect with people and then they see you as the person. They're not just seeing you as the behavior. Because specifically, what happens with our clients in the construction industry, they are, you know, they only have um, mostly male role models. So when we did our quantitative research, we found they women told us that 72% of them, so 72% of these women working in the construction industry have never or rarely had a woman manager. So they've never seen like a real life example of like, this is how a woman leads in my company or my industry. So the only role model they have is men. So they're trying to act like how men lead and they have these strengths inside of them that, you know, they might lead in a different way, but they're, you know, the gold standard, like the check boxes on the performance management system are based on like more on a a male style of leadership. So when they're showing up and they're acting aggressive, they're emulating behaviors, they're acting like someone they're not. So they're showing up as inauthentic. And then it rubs people the wrong way, right? If you show, if someone shows up to you, right. And you can, you could tell, you know, those salespeople that you're like, they're trying to sell me something. And I just like, I don't know what it is, but like, they're rubbing me the wrong way. So When you're showing up not as your authentic self, like not leveraging your strengths, not bringing your whole self to the table, it's like it rubs people the wrong way. So that's partially why some of that feedback happens. So it's really being like really understanding what your strengths are, what is the unique value that you bring to the table and how do you show up in a way that is authentic to yourself? And it's also the communication is going to land with your team, land with the people that you're working with. So it's really kind of peeling back the layers a little bit and just understanding the unique value that you bring to the table.
0: Yeah, that fine line between when are we being assertive and when are we being aggressive?
2: Yeah, and it's it's hard to know. You can't you can't really know. And I think the second piece is education too. It's like just like recognizing like this is not like a men versus women thing. It's just like a this is a thing that we deal with in 2023, and we can talk about it. And once we know that it exists, we can be aware of it. And even like women do this to other women too, right? Like I'm sure Emily, you've done this. Someone's rubbed you the wrong way. You're like, oh what a They called them a not nice word and it's, it's unconscious. It's something that is exists in our society today. And like, once we call it out, it's like, okay, it just is. It's nobody's fault. We can move around it. But if we pretend that it doesn't exist, we're going to just keep hitting up against it. Yeah.
0: And such an interesting statistic about 72% of the women not having a female role model in a leadership position to either learn from or look up to. And that reminds me, we had Dr. Lino on the podcast um, a few months ago now, and he spoke about how in the States, there are more CEOs with the first name, Michael, than there are female CEOs. And then so you had to narrow that down even more into a predominantly male field like construction and just how smaller that would get. What have you found to be the biggest takeaway? So you offer a a eight week program, I think it is, for women in, in construction and leadership. What do you find has been the biggest takeaways for those
2: women? I think so. The number one thing that people say is sponsorship. So we teach this concept of sponsorship over mentorship. And that piece, I will find if people implement sponsorship, they will get the most growth, they will get the most opportunities, they will get the biggest return on investment. And so I can explain the difference a little bit. So Because we don't actually use the word sponsorship in our everyday language, especially in construction. So if you think about like mentorship, like my whole life, people told me to get a mentor, like since I was in university and I would go, I would find people, ask them lots of questions, take them out for coffee And like hours of time were spent um, on both sides, like me and these mentors of like just sharing advice, sharing stories, bouncing ideas off of each other. But the really interesting thing is that in those situations, none of these mentorships really led to big opportunities for growth. For me specifically, they didn't. But also there is research behind this as well. So sponsorship is this idea that there is skin in the game and it's opportunity-based over advice-based. So mentorship is all about advice. It's like, I'm going to, this is what you need to do to get to the next level, read this book, talk to this person, attend this conference, practice this skill. Sponsorship is opportunity-based. So I'll kind of tell a story to explain the difference. So you're that woman, you're like, I want to get to the next level. You ask the mentor, the senior person you're like, okay, what do I need to do? They're like, oh, you need to understand. I'll use a construction example, the business side of construction. So you need to understand how the business works. You're like, okay, how did I do that? They're like, well, read this book, um, attend this conference. Maybe they'll tell you a story about how they learned the business side of construction. And then you're like all inspired. You're excited. You're like, okay, I'm going to go do this. And you get back to your job site or your desk or your car. And you're like, okay, I'm staring at the blank wall. Like, how do I apply this? Like I read the book. Now, where's the opportunity for me to actually implement this and do this to show that I can, can do it and learn on the job. And at the end of the day, in a mentoring relationship, it's up to the mentee to figure out like how to create that opportunity to apply the learning. Whereas For men, how mentorship shows up, and this is not my opinion, I want to be really clear, this is based on research, and this is research that's been done in all industries. So it's not just specifically to construction. So typically how mentoring shows up for men, you're that man, you go to that mentor, I need to learn the business side of construction, they're like, the mentor's like, great. I'm meeting the vice president of business development for lunch tomorrow. Why don't you come along with me? And then you get that exposure. You meet that person and then you're telling them about your goals. You're getting to know them. You're building that rapport. And then the VP is like, you know what? I'm pitching a client next week. Why don't you come along with me? And, you know, I got 15 slides that I'm going to present. Why don't you present the first five? And, you know, if you make a mistake, don't worry. I'm here. I got you back. I can step in and and figure it out. And if you think about who is going to advance faster, is it this woman who's like reading the books and preparing or the man who's like thrown into the situation and learns as they go? And it's really interesting because this is where unconscious gender bias shows up. So women are typically, it's this bias of like, I want her to be ready. I want her to be prepared. I don't want her to fail. So when that opportunity arises, she knocks it out of the park. She's super successful. Successful. Whereas for men, it's about more of this like sink or swim mentality, like I'll create this opportunity for you, which it's not mentorship, it's actually sponsorship, because there's skin in the game. And that's the main difference between mentorship and sponsorship is that skin in the game, we're creating this opportunity together. So if something goes down, it's actually both people go down. Um, But if an opportunity is created, that's amazing. Both people get the credit for that. And That's really kind of like the main thing. Once you can understand that, it really kind of progresses people very, very quickly to recognize that it's about those relationships and kind of like building that trust and creating that opportunity together instead of just kind of preparing for that opportunity. So that mindset shift is the biggest takeaway that our clients get.
1: I like how you weave a story around that. It's helpful, right? To hear, you can envision it happening. and you're saying that's what the research is is showing.
2: Yeah, and so we actually asked some more questions in our quantitative study. We, we partnered with the National Center for Construction Education and Research. And we asked people, we asked women in construction about, because we don't use the word sponsorship or mentorship. So we asked them questions like, I have someone that gives me advice, I have someone that um, is supportive, the mentorship type behavior of questions. And then we ask them sponsorship behavior questions. Like I have someone that's advocating for my next promotion. I have someone that brings me to high profile meetings. And what we found is that for women in construction, sponsorship happens half as often as mentorship. So this is kind of like one of the roadblocks that we see in the construction industry. It's also happening in every industry as well, but really that women get stuck in this advice trap. Like, tell me everything, you know, I want to hear all the stories. Whereas really it's about looking for that opportunity to create that mutual value is really what gets women to the next level.
0: I would think, you know, speaking for myself and if I am doing a part of something where knowing that there are far fewer women in it. It's like there's even can feel even more of that pressure of I need to make sure I've got this so right. It's like, this is my opportunity. And not only is it my opportunity, it's also an opportunity for other women. It's kind of like you're representing. And so I can see for sure that there is so much more at stake of like really wanting that perfectionism, wanting to be dialed in instead of like, Let's just take the Andrea Jansen approach and go on out there and see what happens.
2: <laughs> and I will say, Emily, like, I think you are doing this and you don't realize it. So when I know you go visit these lodges and there's like a win-win benefit when you have these partnership with these lodges, cause they're getting the exposure. Um, you, you're showing their lodge to your audience. Um, you I know you've caught some real, I do not fish, you know, this about me. but I am so inspired by your pictures. And I know you're out there catching the biggest fish, the rarest fish. So, and I think the sponsoring that I'm seeing happening when you do this is like, you have this guy, you've built this rapport with this lodge. They're actually having someone that has your back. Cause the last thing that they want is Emily Rogers came to our lodge and there's there's no picture of Emily with the fish because that is not a win-win. They want that win, right? There's skin in the game for both people. They want that picture of you with the big fish because that's going to inspire other people to want to visit the lodge, to want to get into fly fishing. So like you built that relationship before and it can happen really quickly. But then when you're there, you're like getting to know them, you're building that trust. And then you go out on the water and like your guide is there, like doing everything they can to ensure success. And that's, you're already leveraging sponsorship, but I don't know if you realized it. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Yeah,
0: definitely. And also in in a in a more male dominated area. Yeah, but just know this thing around like you can feel like there is more at stake when you know or like if if you really want to or allow yourself to feel the pressure that's being put on by it.
1: Can I share a perspective on that? Like as I was listening to you, I was thinking it's interesting how that would feel like more pressure, right? Versus I don't know, like in my, in my mind, I was thinking, well, how cool is it to be unique in this industry or the sector or whatever, you know, in terms of being like how many women fly fishers are there? Right. Maybe there's a whole bunch. I don't know. But, you know, but I just feel like, like that's kind of a, I don't know, it could be a bit of a cachet, you know, having that uniqueness being, being not like the typical person.
0: Yeah. And truthfully, I actually don't feel pressure. I don't feel pressure. I mean, even, even getting back from this trip with the photographer who was with me the whole time I did not feel pressure I ended up getting a grand slam which is like the ultimate thing that can happen to a saltwater angler but no just around this concept of I think for me like I've had so much experience in kind of knowing what it feels like to be under pressure and choosing to let that go but that I could see very easy for women and men too that can get so trapped in that pressure.
2: Yeah, totally. It's one of those things and it's interesting, we have this list, like rule at ambition theory. It's like the number one rule of working with us. It's like, get out of your comfort zone. Cause that's where the magic happens. The comfort zone. I don't have a picture with me now, but it's like a little tiny dark blue dot. And then the magic happens in a bright yellow sun with fireworks all around it. And the thing about the picture that Oh, Emily has it. Okay. Emily has it.
1: <laughs> she was ready for this. She anticipated that.
2: You anticipated that. So, the interesting thing about that is like those that discomfort, that perfection, all of those feelings are actually just a sign that you're leaving your comfort zone, right? And it's like your brain saying, okay, danger, danger, danger. you could fail, right? Like, Emily is going to Belize, she's never fished in Belize before, you could go there and lots of things could go wrong. And so I think it's like when you can flip the script in your mind that like, oh, this is warning me, this is like a protection sign that like, you know what, I'm going towards this amazing opportunity. And what do I need to do to be prepared for it? Like, how do I get ready for that? Who are the people that I need in my corner to make sure that, you know what, if this does fail, it's not a complete catastrophe. So who are those people that I need around me? And flipping the script that way, because it can be debilitating, right? It's like that fear, that perfectionism, you be like, I'm not ready. And you know what, sometimes it's like, you aren't ready, but sometimes you have to do it anyways. And I think to be successful, it's recognizing that, you know, this is a big risk. Things could go wrong. What do I need to do to make sure if things go wrong, that it's not a catastrophe and sponsorship is a great way to do that. So having those people that have your back that are that are invested in the mutual win, then that it makes it a lot less stressful to take those big risks.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Good advice. How do people learn more about you, Andrea? Where, where would you, where would you direct them?
2: So you can connect with me on LinkedIn. So it's Andrea Jansen. You can go to our website. So it's ambitiontheory.com or you can listen to our podcast. So it's Ambition Theory, Women in Construction.
0: Amazing. Andrea, thank you so much. And so at the end of each episode, Dave and I do takeaways. Uh, So things we took away from our conversation with you, Dave, what do you got?
1: I got a lot, Andrea. Like first off that piece about authenticity, right? It's so important to be authentic and I couldn't agree with it more. And I think something that um, you bring is a real is authenticity and and sharing your story in such a candid way and then talking about the importance of authenticity. So it's like you're role modeling that. So uh, that's probably my biggest takeaway. And I just really appreciate that. And the other piece would be just going for it, right? Like just having that ambition <laughs> to put yourself out there and when I see it in someone else, I find it very inspiring and it makes me think of, you know how can I be more of that. So those are my two takeaways.
0: Yeah, I love it. My takeaway, uh, yes, similar to that is around that, the seeing the opportunity. And if somebody says yes to you, then take it as a yes and that to go for it, to not get caught up in that self-doubt and all of the other thoughts that come along with it and to just really walk into when doors do open for you. And my other thing, and in just talking about your journal, is just the power of goal setting. Getting clear, having people in your corner, sponsors, whether it is coaching or whoever it is, to help you really clarify your goals. And that, yeah, that is where the magic happens. So, Andrea, thank you so much. I've been wanting to have you on here for a while. So, I appreciate you taking the time to come on. And uh, we will list all of Andrea Jansen's information and any extras we discussed in the show notes. The best place to find that is on our website, boilingpointpodcast.com. We are active on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. We will put the video version on YouTube and Facebook. And of course, the podcast is available on all of your favorite podcast platforms.
1: Well done, Emily. (laughs) Thanks, Andrea.
2: Thank you so much, Andrea. It's been a blast. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening. Follow or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app or visit boilingpointpodcast.com for more.